Happy 2019 and welcome to episode 38 of African and American with your girl Six the Goddess and keep in mind I'm a goddess and I'm sensitive about my shift. New year who this family, new year who this, okay? Yes, we should always continue to be great and positive and grow throughout the whole year, but I think that a new calendar year um, is a great marker for um, change. So you can keep track of your progress, you know, so you can monitor where you are. I want to give a big shout out to the one year anniversary of African and American. The show was started exactly a year ago. I can't believe it's been a year already. I feel like we've accomplished so much on this show. We've touched so many subjects and I guess time flies when you're having fun. I'm like, man, it's been a year. I feel like this just started. So um, I'm excited. I'm happy about uh, where we are with the show. I want to thank all the listeners, all the subscriptions, all the ratings, reviews, good and bad. Um, I'm thankful. Uh, now, for the one-year anniversary, um, we're starting to show out with a Q&A. So everyone has been with me for a year. Um and whatever questions that people had, I put up a post and allowed people to ask their questions. Most of them were not questions about me personally. I was kind of opening it up so that if anybody, you know, wanted to get to know things about me as a person, they could ask. But um, most of the questions are not pertaining to me. So I'm just going to... Um, I'm just going to shout out a few people with their questions and do a few answers. So, the first question I'm going to answer is, it's the question is, um, this is from Outstanding85. He asks, can you address the relationship between African immigrants and African Americans? And is there something deeper than we just can't get along asking for a friend? And I absolutely would love to address that. Um, now, this is the way we all know how rumors work, right? So the way rumors work is it, it only takes like one person to say some BS and then that person repeats it to someone else and that person repeats it to someone else. And before you know it, enough people repeating it, it becomes the truth in their eyes. Now, it doesn't matter if they know that person personally. It doesn't matter if they've met them or, or if they know about the situation firsthand people will run with it. Now, this is exactly the the disconnect between Africans on the continent of Africa and Africans in the diaspora is a direct issue of a rumor mill. It's that simple. I'm going to tell you what they do. So the Africans on the continent, they tell them, Oh, the Africans in America, they're so spoiled. They make fun of you guys. They think that you're ugly. They don't care about you. And then the Africans in the diaspora here in America and everywhere else, they say, oh, the Africans on the continent, oh, they don't even believe y'all are really African. Oh, they don't even, they don't even like y'all. Oh, they talk about you like a dog. And the reality is, Everybody in every country in this world looks at Americans that way. I'm going to tell you the truth. Whether someone is in France, Italy, Africa, Australia, 
they all view Americans as spoiled and snotty nose. That is the stigma that Americans carry. Okay. So it's so funny because people won't say, oh, well, white people in Europe, oh, they don't even like the white people in America. No, they look at them the same. They look at all Americans, that Americans are lazy and snotty nose and brats. Okay, so there may be Africans on the continent who may view Africans here that way. But I mean, honestly, they probably view all Americans that way. Um, African people are some of the kindest, most understanding people that you will ever meet on the planet. Africans don't even hate their enemies and their colonizers. So you mean to tell me that they hate their own people? It's not true. Um, like I said, it's very easy for misunderstandings to happen between the Africans on the continent and the Africans in the diaspora uh, because uh, we're not we're not thinking for ourselves. We're kind of just letting whatever we hear affect our relationships with them. Now, a lot of Africans on the continent were never taught anything about the history of Africans here in the States. There are a lot of Africans on the continent that are totally, um, totally uh, unaware of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, there are Africans on the continent that are totally unaware of um, the way colonization works because for a lot of Africans on a continent throughout their lives, because in Africa, it's really one way or another in Africa, you're either rich and doing great, or you're like on the street. Okay. There's not a very high middle class, so to speak, um, population in Africa. So for a lot of the Africans who grew up on the more poor side, their whole lives, whenever they found relief, it was relief through a white face, through quote unquote missionaries and peace corps that, you know, would bring food and supplies. So there are a lot of Africans on the continent that unfortunately, because of their unawareness of, uh, because of how much they are unaware of, you know, how... Africans got here um, because of them being unaware of what exactly what colonization is and how it works, that there are a lot of Africans who um, are super big Jesus freaks because you can't tell them that Jesus and Christianity is not true. Because like I said, throughout their lives, whenever they needed things, it was these white faced missionaries talking about Jesus coming with food and shoes and clothes. You know, so when you're kind of groomed to see that your whole life, it can become very difficult for you to accept that these people are in any way, shape or form your enemy or want bad for you in any way, shape or form. Um, that's why skin bleaching and stuff like that is so popular there uh, because a lot of people there grew up idolizing white people through religion and like I said, through their missionary work and delivering supplies. Um, so I would say the relationship between Africans on the continent and Africans here in America is no different than the way that any country views American people. Um, it is not true that Africans on the continent, quote unquote, do not like Africans in America or anywhere else. That is a bold-faced lie. If you are a black American and you go to um, Africa you will be greeted with love. They will not like stone you or like turn her back on you. Um, there is a lot of 
uh, lies that have been told between both groups. So they may have been lied to and they'll have reasons why they dislike you. Um, we've been lied to here and there may be reasons why we're skeptical about them there. Um, but this is why it's important to do our own legwork and find things out for ourselves because if we allow people to start rumors and it affects us as a people, that's what ends up happening. Now we have a whole, you know, we have a whole group of our people who are against each other for no reason. <laughs> okay, so that's my answer. There are a lot of Africans in Africa that view black Americans like they like all people in the world view all Americans. They may call us lazy and snotty nosed, but people from France will say the same thing. People from um, Germany will say the same thing about Americans. So stop demonizing black people for behaviors that other races also exude. Um, next question is from a man listen show. He says, why are black people scared to ask for reparations for chattel slavery? And I'm going to use the white people word that they love to use for everything called shaming. They love to call everything shaming. Um, and black people have been shamed into shutting up and being quiet about reparations. Um, basically whenever black people bring up reparations, what white people will do is they'll say, so you need to stop having your hand out. And <laughs> even though this is work that's been unpaid and even though no other race would ever have this, any other race would burn things down to the ground. If you dare try to make billions of dollars off of their free labor off their backs. Okay. White people would shoot up everybody if you ever in your life tried to have them and their relatives work for free and then you collecting billions and don't give them a cut okay <laughs> but somehow those same people have convinced you that if you even open your mouth about reparations that you are lazy and nobody owes you anything and you need to if there's something that you want then you need to get up and work for it it wasn't me it wasn't me personally that um, had slaves and I'm very sorry that happened to you guys, but you need to stop thinking that somebody owes you something. No one's holding you back and get up and do it yourself. And they've hyped us up like that. Like, yeah, forget that. If y'all don't want to give us the reparations, that's fine. We'll just get it out the mud. They got us all excited. So dumb. Like, yeah, you know, we don't need no handouts. We'll work hard and we'll just get it ourselves. <laughs> So that's why black people are scared for reparations, to ask for reparations, because they've been guilted and shamed into um, coming off as lazy uh, if they even bring it up. And a lot of black people do not want to offend their white friends, okay, because if they say anything about it, Tyler is going to be like, what the hell, bro? I thought we were friends, bro. You're saying this racist stuff, bro? Like, we're all humans, bro. We're all one love, bro. Come on, man. I can't believe you're saying this racist crap. You must follow the goddess. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's all a game of guilt. Whenever people want to sway black people in a direction, all they have to do is play on our emotions because we are very in touch and in tune with the way we feel because of our melanation. So it's all a guilt trip. Um, the next question is... From no offense, bruh. Y'all have some weird Instagram handles. Anyway, it says how to avoid 
overt liberal women, hardcore black feminists, etc. in dating today. Now, some people don't agree with this, but I tell everybody, listen, I'm the kind of person on the first date. I suggest the first date being something small like coffee, like coffee or maybe some smoothies. Um, That way you're not spending that much money and you can kind of find out where this person's head is at before you um, invest in a second date. Because the reality is you date until you're ready to court because there's a difference. You can date anybody, um, but when you're ready to court, that's saying, okay, I've dated this person for a while. I've vetted them. We're on the same page. Now let's enter into a courtship so we can start, you know, um, completing the steps that are necessary um, to get married. So I suggest a coffee date, something light, something cheap, something easy on a first date. And I suggest having serious questions to ask in conversation. I suggest asking, you want to find out if a woman is a a feminist? How about you just ask her? (laughs) How about you just say, So how do you feel about the feminist movement amongst black women? And if she says something like, yeah, I don't understand because if men can do it, I can do it. I feel like, you know, I don't need a man. If I have a man, it's because I feel like it. You know, If she says stuff like that, then you already know where she's at. If she says, There's no such thing as black feminism in women. If she says that, you know, it's been a a travesty to our people, if it's been a negative effect of our people. I mean, there you go. Then you know how she feels about it. Um, But you can just tell from the, you know, just ask her how she feels about being a feminine woman. If she wrinkles up her eyebrows and scoffs, then, you know, you could tell from that she's not the kind of woman that you know, is in favor or wants to embrace femininity, she might look at it as something negative or oppressive. And if her brain has been conditioned that way, then, you know, there's probably nothing that you can do as a man to change that. And it would be best to move along to another woman because brothers, y'all ain't got no excuse because there's way more women than men. So y'all need to just be combing through them and being able to find real women that can help carry on your legacy. She will literally carry your legacy. Carry, literally. You know, so if ask, y'all got to ask, everybody want to be all cute on the first date. Like if, if you already know that is that person ain't got what you looking for, don't waste your time on a second date. Um, so ask, do not be afraid to ask. I had did a video like jokingly, like questions I ask on the first date, but I was dead serious, baby. I need to know off rip, you know, you need to ask her how she feels about breastfeeding ask her how she feels about homeschooling children ask her you know if she rather have her children and family as a priority or a job just ask and you have the right to ask okay if she doesn't want to answer or gets uncomfortable that's also an answer okay because any woman that's serious about finding a masculine mate won't have any issues with those questions um next question is from green team inc He asked, do you believe in polygamy? If so, is it healthy for the family? I absolutely 100% believe in polygamy. I think polygamy is the cure-all for us as black people. I also feel, now before y'all go and getting, you know, getting excited, 
I also feel like polygamy takes an extremely healthy and united race of people to carry out successfully. I believe that it would probably take us another 100 to 200 years before black people will be healed and unified enough to carry on polygamy to where it is something constructive. Um, Right now, there are way too many black men with mommy issues, way too many black men with daddy issues um, to, you know, that can barely carry on a healthy relationship with one woman, let alone multiple. Um, So we have a long, long way to go before that would be doable. Now, polygamy is a beautiful thing. It ensures that every woman is protected and provided for. It makes sure it's a system that makes sure that all that all children have a father. Okay, Um, because the reality is women outnumber men on every part of the globe. So the reality is polygamy is supposed to be a system so that nobody gets left behind. But in a society like we have today where. Um, we have become extremely over-sexualized. Uh, we are extremely emotionally damaged. This is not the period of time for us to even be thinking about polygamy. Like, we are so far from where we would need to be for that to be successful. Because for polygamy to be successful, the entire community has to be polygamous. If one woman living here is sharing her husband... Um, But the woman next door got her own husband. It creates feelings of discontent between the woman that is, you know, sharing her husband with other wives. Now, if the whole neighborhood is sharing their husband, it becomes a normality and it becomes doable. Um, But like I said, I just would rather black people get that idea out their head because we are way too damaged. There's no way. So please stop asking about that. Okay. Um. We're nowhere near that level. Okay, next question is, as a black queen, what angers you more? A white male thinking it's okay to grab a black queen at McDonald's or the fact that at least two black men stood by idly as the black queen was violated by the same white male? That is a great question. If y'all do not know what he is referring to, um, there's a viral video um, that took place in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is on the Bay Area of Florida, uh, where apparently there was a, a black woman working at McDonald's. I don't know what led up to this, but it eventually escalated to the white male grabbing the sister. And when I say grabbing, I mean like, grabbed the hell out of her from over the counter there was like like uh, the user said there were a few black men present now they all come around the corner and instead of them grabbing the man they grab her as though oh this must be an angry black woman you know beating up a white guy now what makes me more angry The white man grabbing her does not make me angry because he is a Neanderthal. He is an animal. Um, So I I expect 
savage behavior okay we we cannot let white people have that much power over our emotions in that way we should not be getting angry and emotional about any savage behavior they exhibit because they are in fact savages okay do we get mad at a dog for barking no we know that that's what the dog does so why would i get mad at a savage sulfuric neanderthal for grabbing a black woman when I know that's his instinct. What I'm mad at, what makes me angry, is the black man that sat there and watched. What makes me angry is that this man was able to walk out of the establishment. Because the reality is that if, uh, since this man did this to this black woman in the presence of black men, he should have had to been helicopter lifted out of that building okay he should have had to come out that building on a stretcher um, and this is why black women I say that femininity will save our lives because the fact that we have developed this stigma as the quote-unquote strong black woman stigma it has caused it has left us to defend ourselves it has caused people to look at us where if a white man is grabbing us over a counter, they will assume that we were the aggressor. They will assume that we attacked him and will try to save him before someone tries to save us. And that's why, sisters, I understand we are strong black women. There's nothing that we can't do. I get that. Do I understand that we can defend ourselves? Yes, I 100% understand that. But I want, I, want to under, I want you all to understand that just because you can do something does not mean it is healthy or ideal. Black women, letting our men protect us does not mean that we are not capable of protecting ourselves. But when you conduct yourself in a feminine way, what happens is that when you are in situations like this, men are prone to assist you. But since we have developed the stigma, this masculine stigma, we could be literally being attacked in front of people and they still are not jumping to protect us. Okay, because of our masculine ways. Okay, now had it been a white woman, 10 people would have jumped in to save her. Okay, because they don't look at her as, Oh, she don't need our help. She can hold our own, hold her own. That is not the stigma that white women carry. They always have carried the stigma of the damsel in distress. Okay, so if she's getting attacked, they're coming to help because they look at her as needing the help. Okay, so as black women, we have to develop those same ways. We have to be feminine. We have to be looked at as a feminine woman so that when we are attacked, people think that we even need assistance. Okay, um, femininity will save our lives. Um, the the black man that stood there and watched her get attacked, you know, they're bitch ass niggas. Like I don't know what else to say. I, I wish I knew their names. I would blast them on the show. Matter of fact, if I do find their, if anybody knows those guys' Instagrams or anything like that, please let me know because I will do a public roast of these brothers if I find out who they are because that's what we have to start doing when our men exhibit extreme bitch ass behavior we got to start shaming them we got to start shaming them we got to start making it so that they can't show their face around town no more okay so if anybody knows who those brothers are uh let me know because I got something for that ass 
Um, it's sad that after that whole incident, the manager, which looked like either a white or Spanish man, instead of him like getting furious and throwing the customer out, he like proceeds to continue taking his order because attacking a black woman is not that bad. Okay. Because attacking a black woman, she probably brought it on herself, right? Okay, because had it been a black man that reached over that counter and attacked a white woman, honey, he would have been thrown out, beat up, put in jail, and some more stuff, okay? Um, but you attack a black woman, and it's no big deal. And so after you attack her, was that a quarter pounder with cheese you said you wanted, sir? Do you need ketchup? All right, that's mind-blowing. Um, that's why I say as black women... It's going to save our lives to attract strong, masculine, black male mates because they are the only ones that can and will protect us. White men are not going to protect us. Asian men are not going to protect us. Indian men are not going to protect us. The only ones that are going to protect us are masculine black males, not bitch ass niggas masculine black males it will save your life as a black woman if you attract a masculine black mate okay next question is uh, spencer's photography services says how can we find out exactly where our ancestry began without paying companies like ancestry.com um, you know, that's a hard question to ask, uh, because the reality is if you are a black person that ended up in the United States, um, through the transatlantic slave trade records of your family history, accurate records were never kept. So finding where you came from that way, the reality is it's probably not going to happen. So unfortunately, um, companies like Ancestry.com are probably your only option. Now, there are some people who say, oh, you can't tell where someone is from based upon their DNA. I don't uh, I don't agree because I know several people who have gotten it done where they already kind of knew where they were from and they, they didn't tell these companies any of that. And it came back of that being the case. Um you know, I know people who got the same mother or different father and they'll have the same percentage of one area as their sibling. And then the other half of them will be different. So I've just seen too many times where it is accurate. Now, you'll have to go, you know, trust your own instincts on what you do and do not feel comfortable with. But from what I've seen, it's been accurate. Um. Vic Sun 17 says, uh, he asked the effects of integration. A good reference is MLK saying he felt like he led his people into a burning building for preaching integration. Um, MLK, uh, some people look at him as a martyr. Some people look at him as a hero. Um, I, I don't know the brother personally, so I will say that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he had the best intentions. Um, however, 
making your so making your people succumb to the attacks that our people went through um, under his leadership doesn't make sense to me. Um, me personally, I would never make black women, black children, and black men susceptible to um, savage white people in the way that he did um, to be accepted by them at all. Um, if it was me, I would have kept us separated. And what I would have fought for um, would have been the uh, the ability to have our own defense system so that when we, you know, build our own communities, we can keep them safe from the savage white folks that love to blow us up. OK, um, when he said that he, he when he said that he led his people into a burning building, I want to make it very clear. Martin Luther King Jr. never said like, oh, this was a bad idea, nor was that the reason why he was murked. Um, I think that he simply because he is a preacher, I truly feel like he was just kind of like talking good. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even think that he knew what he meant by saying that, because if you knew that, then why did you even set your people up to be attacked by dogs and spit on and cussed out and mowed down? Like, I, I, I don't understand that. Uh, integration had to have been the worst thing that could have happened for black people. Um, it's disgusting for us to jump up and down like, Massa, please, please let us in. It's just disgusting. It just makes you have no kind of dignity. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Uh, integration was the worst thing that ever happened to us. Yep. So, um, if you are, next question is by Da Boo. He says, if you are pro-black and your woman says, I ain't no Betty Shabazz, what do you do? Um, now I'm, I'm not exactly sure the exact context that could have been in. Uh, because I don't know if she means like, I'm not okay with you dying. I'm not okay with you sacrificing yourself. I don't know if she means like, I'm not going to sit home while you go out, you know, touring or risking your life for your people. Um, I don't know what that means because I don't know why a black woman would not want to be like Betty Shabazz because Betty Shabazz was the goat. She was feminine, strong, and supportive. Uh, so don't know what that means, but however, if you are pro-black and your spouse is not, uh, it can be a strong, it could be a strong issue because they're probably going to give your children slave mentality. They're probably going to fight against everything that you say and do. And it'll probably be the number one argument in your household. How can you really, if you are pro-black and you are for your people, which every other race is pro their race too. White people are pro-white. Asian people are pro-Asian. They just don't have to say it because their racial systems are not under attack the way ours are. So we say pro-black, but really that should just be common sense, which all races should be pro their race because everyone should be looking out for their people. You know, sadly, ours has like a title, I guess, because it's always different with us, but... You know, I, I don't understand why as a black person you would not be pro-black. You know, I, I'll never understand that. So 
if you are pro-black and your partner is not, I would say that that's going to be a major conflict. I would say that that's going to be a huge negative uh, effect on your children. If you plan on having children with that person, I don't know how that's going to really work out with you. Because I know me, can't nobody come tell my child about Jesus and, you know, (laughs) tell my child, get over slavery, move on. We don't want to dwell on that. Nobody's holding you back. I'll be pissed off. Okay. I need my child to be fully aware of what happened, fully aware of why he will be in the situation he's in and fully aware that this system is out to kill him. Okay. So many of our people are hidden ducks or sitting ducks, I'm sorry, and, you know, they're completely unaware that we're at war until something happens to, like, affect them directly. Um, So that, I would say that's a problem. Tall Country Boy 73 asks, any advice for a white dad raising a biracial son? Um, And I will say that your best bet is going to be to find Um, masculine, healthy, black mentors for your son, because there's no such thing as biracial. That boy is black and he will be treated as black his whole life. Him having a white daddy is not going to save him. It's not going to give him any kind of white privilege. And this system will still be trying to kill your child every day. So my advice for a white dad raising a biracial son is Get him some black mentors, whether it's a coach, someone at the school, other mentors in the community, someone that you trust so that he can teach him how to be a black man. Because you can't because you're white. Moving right along. um, Can you talk about why black people are so happy to be mixed? You got brothers and sisters, black and crispy talking about they mixed. Um, I think you kind of answered your question yourself, uh, because you see how you said black and crispy. Okay. Um, so when your own people connect your complexion as something like crispy, you know, something negative, do you see how that would make one not want that title? Okay. So I think that if you have a problem with that, You should start with yourself by not calling your dark-skinned people crispy. Okay, we got to be very aware of the things that we say and do and how it affects our people before we make fun of them for doing these things. Okay. Um, 13 Forever 13 asks, who is our God? Um, And our God is the energy of life. Um, our God is in the water. God is in the sun. Um, God is in the womb of all black women. When we bring forth life, um, God is in all the animals. I think it's very important to understand that God is an energy. I think once you understand that you will stop looking at God as a figure that grants favor to some and hell to others. Okay, as long as you look at God as who is it, uh, I think that it holds you back. I think you need to understand God is more so of a what. What is God, not who? Because nobody is necessarily God. God is an energy, and since that energy is in us, 
you know, we are God. Me as a woman, I am God. I can create life in my womb. That is God-like. Okay, we're created in God's image, so look in the mirror and boom, God. Okay, that energy, that since the godly energy is inside of me to create and sustain life, I create life in my uterus, I bring life through my vagina, and I sustain life through my breast milk. So that's that's pretty, That's I don't know how much more God you can get than that. Okay, but it's the energy inside of us that allows those things. So you have to respect nature. Nature is God. Okay, next question is Share Peace asks, what do you think about the Israelites? Um, I cannot with the Israelites. <laughs> I, I just cannot with them. Like, I call them like woke Power Rangers. I think they're extremists. I think that they are like characters. Um, I love all my people, whether they are misguided or confused. I think a lot of them are black people that are just wanting to belong somewhere, you know, and they kind of go that way because the things that they do and stand for, I really don't understand because there are some people that there are black people that want to let go of religion and the bible completely and then there are black people that want to just paint the bible all black so that they don't have to let it go um but either way you're still doing wrong and you're still participating in a circus so yeah (laughs) okay next question is Um, it's from a sister named Young, Young and Bossy. Um, the question's pretty long, so pretty much I will um, kind of give you a nutshell of what her question is. Uh, basically, she is saying that, okay, when um, she wants to know why black men get so offended and want to argue when you say that the black woman is God. Um And why they will say things like, well, if the black woman is God, then why are they twerking and prostituting? Um, Now, I I can kind of see why the brothers may feel a way by saying that the black woman is God because the black man is also God. And we cannot bring forth black life without him either. Um... So I, that might be why they feel away. Now, if they are saying things like, well, why are they twerking and stuff like that? I mean, you know, that comes from the severe and massive mommy issue that we have amongst way too many black men. You know, so they hear something, someone saying something positive about black women and they're like pissed. They're triggered, you know. So I would say they have to examine their mamas and sisters we got to be better mothers so that we are not raising another generation of men like this. And I don't mean better mothers like buying our kids more Xboxes and more of the latest J's. I'm talking about actually raising our children, speaking life into them, not beating them down so that when these black men become adults, they don't hate us. Okay. Um, 
next question is oh what are your favorite black owned beauty brands for makeup and skincare I love black opal okay ladies I use black opal for everything I use their foundation I love their concealer I love their powder I love their blushes I love their lip colors Black Opal, Black Opal, Black Opal. And it's for the Lolo. I like shopping with them online um, because it's just more of a selection. Because a lot of times in the store, normally you can find them in like CVS. Um, sometimes they're constantly, like they're sold out a lot. So I kind of like ordering online because that way, you know, you have the stock and you can get what you need with no problems. Next question is by Electric Lady 11. She says, how can we as black women channel Oshun on a daily basis? How can we use her teachings to become more feminine? I've always been feminine, but I've picked up some unfeminine behaviors throughout the years. And I think engaging with this Orisha would help me. Okay. Um, I would say there are multiple de African deities. Um, now, granted, Oshun uh, would be the number one deity when it comes to sensuality and feminism. However, she's not the only one. And I think it's ideal to get a reading so you can find out um, who is the Orisha who in your head, you know, who is your head. And that way you'll you're you're more in tune with what exact orisha is there so you can study that orisha and you know and find out how to channel that energy um whenever you're looking to be uh more sensual and feminine um i, I first of all the way you look is the way you act a lot of times so like ladies i like to say wear dresses more than you wear jeans heels bright colors okay it just makes you feel pretty and it makes you feel girly and when you look that way you'll be surprised how it will affect your mannerism and it will really make you feel and act more feminism put on some lipstick put a flower in your hair I know it sounds corny but ladies it's true okay these are the ways that you channel those feminine feminine ways um Okay, we're going to do a few more questions, and then I have some other topics we're going to be covering on this episode. Um, let me find one that's a little bit different. There was, like, somebody on here, like, answering <laughs> everybody's questions, like... Brother, uh, I think that they were asking me. You don't came on here and answer everyone's questions like they were not asking you. Anywho. <laughs> um, Just Ginger asked, where did you meet your man? Uh, that's kind of a hard question because we had known of each other. We from the same city, so we have known of each other for years. <laughs> uh, however... Where did we meet meet? Um, I don't know. I guess it's kind of hard for me to to ask, to, to answer. But I would say the first time that we kind of like met met was that a poetry slam. Like at a po open mic type thing. Um, next question is, 
from Slang Talk NT. He says, why are there so many I hate black women, I hate black men groups on social media and not enough uplifting pages about black men and women? Well, that is because white people's very existence depends upon the annihilation of black existence. So if black people today were to say, we're not swirling anymore, we are not giving white people access to our sexual organs, we are not dealing with them in any way, shape, or form, that would mean that they would die out, okay? Um, the whole world depends on Africa to survive. Uh, white people depend on mixing with black people to, um, to stay alive. And there are some white people who don't have a problem admitting that and acknowledging that. You will have some white people that will say, our race is at risk of becoming extinct, that's why I know people might think I'm crazy when I say this, but I don't be mad at racist white people. Y'all should be racist. I would be racist too if I was a white person. Why the hell would I want to uplift and empower people where the minute I do that, they're going to overpower me? That's a death wish. If I, if I was white, I would keep my foot on black people next too. What the heck? Can you imagine if they was out here really like empowering us? Please, that would literally mean them dying out. If they literally were out here like supporting black people, like not being sexual with them, that means they're dying out. Because I talked about this in like, I think the last episode of the episode before that, that white people have come to realize that they've had multiple ways they've been trying to keep black folks down. One was attempting to do physical slavery. Okay, that lasted for some time, but we can't physically, you know, beat these people down forever. Like, they're eventually going to break free from that. Okay, now we'll try to mentally enslave them. That can't go out, go on, but for so long either. Eventually, they're going to catch on to that. So now they figured it out. All we got to do is become a part of their family. So we procreate with them, create children with them. And the beautiful part about it is, if there's a child that is mixed with white, that child will grow up and will never, never, ever, ever, ever say, oh, I'm only sticking to black people and I'm going to empower my own people only because he don't want to hurt his mama feelings. So white people have realized the white mentality has nothing to do with your skin. It's about a mindset. There are black people that are whiter than some white people. It's all about the minds. If we become their parents... Okay, they are they are 100% less likely to grow up and want to empower black people only. They will always empower us too because we are their parents. Okay, um, so the reason why there's so many I hate black men, I hate black women groups on social media is because that's white people's full time job is guilting and shaming black people into not being and doing for their own because that means they die. Some white people will admit it. Some people won't. Okay. You know, look at Madonna. Madonna went out and got a fix a flat booty. She don't adopted all these black children. It makes them feel empowered. White people don't go to Serbia where the children freeze to death in the winter and take pictures with them and post it on their social media. No, they only do it with the black kids. <laughs> You know, it's this, 
It's this thing like, oh, if I help black kids, I must be better and must be more powerful. Whenever white people want to feel better about themselves, they're always seek out black people. When a white man want to be validated sexually, who does he reach out to? A black woman. When white people want to be validated as human beings, what do they do? Go to Africa, take, go to Haiti, take a bunch of pictures with black kids. I have yet to see a white person go to Europe where all these starving, freezing, hungry white kids are and take pictures with them. <laughs> Okay, you know why? Because it doesn't make them feel empowered. But when they're able to go and be like, look, weak, hungry black people, now they feel bigger. Okay, so there's so many groups like that because they have to. Okay, they have to keep their foot on our necks. We are more powerful than them. We are supreme over them. We are elite over them in every way, shape, or form. So if you think, and that's why white people get pissed off more than anything else when you advocate for black love. That is the number one thing that triggers them. When you, do you, I wish y'all could see sometimes some of the things I have white men say to me. Like you wouldn't believe it because they don't want my ideas catching on. Stop telling these black women not to get with us, damn it. We've been raping y'all for hundreds of years and we need y'all to feel sexually fulfilled and validated and stop telling all of our bed wenches to leave us alone. It's basically what they say. You know, because like I said before, if, if it wasn't a big deal, why do they even open their mouths about it? Why do they even get so upset about it? Why do they create whole groups against this? Their lives literally depend on it, people. It's that serious. Yes. Um, next question is from Carbonated. They ask, why not wearing your natural hair is still European ideology? Now, sisters, this is the thing. If, if you feel like you are not pretty with your real hair, if you feel like you can't go to a party with your real hair. If you feel like you can't go to the club with your real hair. Okay. If you feel like before you can walk out this door, you got to have some kind of wig or weave in your head, then sweetie, you can sit here all day and tell me about how, you know, uh, black people invented weaves. You can tell me all day about how, Oh, it's an art form. I changed my hair. It's self-expression. Blah, 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 blah. You can, I mean, baby, if that's what you tell yourself to, you know, feel better about not being able to admit that the truth is that you don't feel pretty or put together in your real hair, then that's fine. Because I'm learning in 2019 that whether somebody admits to something or not does not make something less true. I don't care what people say out their mouths. I do not care. You could say all day, you can get mad at me all day because women, y'all know how triggered they get about their weaves. And they'll say, well, just because I don't wear my real hair doesn't mean I hate myself. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now, I'm not saying you got to rock a fro all day, every day. Like, it's okay to want to change your look. But I'm talking about them women that always got a wig, always got a weave. Okay, and, and there's a difference between a weave and extensions. 
extensions is just that is an extension of what's already growing out your head. I see so many pages now that have natural hair extensions. Okay, so if your issue is about fullness or thickness, you can get some hair, you know, that will match your natural hair texture if you're just looking for that. But when you're complete, completely molding down your real hair to glue and tape blonde, long, 613 hair to your head, honey, that's self-hatred, baby. I don't know what to tell you. You think that that looks prettier. You think that that looks prettier than your real hair. And the fact that sisters don't want to admit that does not mean it's not true. You cannot admit that all day. You can you can lie to yourself all day and say the reason why you got that blonde frontal on is because I just wanted to try it. Uh, I just wanted to see what it looked like. What other lies do black women tell? Or they'll say, oh, this was just me expressing myself. Oh, there's black people that have blonde hair. Honey, whatever you tell yourself, that's cool and all. But honey, the fact that you will not uh, go out to dinner without it is a problem. The fact that you won't go to the club without it is a problem. And it's the same with makeup. You know, women that won't leave the house without makeup. Okay. Now, if you feel like your skin or your hair is uh, in such a shape where you can't wear it in public, then it's time to do some serious healing. Okay, it's time to do some serious healing. If your skin is messed up, it's time for you to figure out what are you allergic to? Because I'm going to tell y'all sisters now, nine times out of ten, when you have a skin issue you can't get rid of, it's because of something you're eating. I'm telling you, I know a sister that struggled with acne for years. Come to find out she was allergic to gluten. Okay. I know a sister that had issues with her skin for years. Come to find out she was allergic to white flour. Okay. So if, if your, if your hair, if you have no edges, because see a lot of black women also like to paint this picture. Like the only reason why. Black women don't have edges is because of alopecia. Okay, don't, for you, those of you that don't know, I am a licensed cosmetologist and have been for 13 years. Um, alopecia is extremely rare. <laughs> okay, it is extremely rare. Um, the reason why a lot of black women suffer from edge loss is from glue. It's from braids that are too tight. Okay, it's from sew-ins too tight. So don't let them shame you like, oh, don't talk about black women edges because y'all don't know the struggles with alopecia. Honey, it's very few of y'all with damn alopecia. Spare me. You don't have edges because you glued hair to your edges. You don't have edges because you braided your hair super tight and sewed hair onto the edge and you hanging heavy, unnatural hair to your head. That's why you don't have edges. Okay, you don't have edges because of that quick weave. It's called a quick weave because it quickly takes your edges out. Okay, ripping out your natural hair for a weave is self-mutilation. Self-mutilation is not only cutting yourself like an emo white girl that wear all black. Self-mutilation is ripping your edges out with a quick weave. Okay. And if you are self-mutilating, it is due to an emotional issue. Okay, so we have to get to the root of the problems as opposed to, you know, covering them up, no pun intended, with the wigs. 
Okay, next question. We're going to do two more questions, then we're going to move on. Rail718 says, why is it so hard for black people to support black owned businesses? Um, I would say that the number one issue in supporting black owned businesses is knowing whether or not a business is black owned. I think the first issue is like finding finding a black owned business. So if you do know where they're at, you should always be willing to um, share that information. You should always be willing to let people know if you have a good experience at a black business, post about it, talk about it. You know, social media is a great way to figure that out. Um, I like shopping on webuyblack.com because that way you already know that wherever you buy from on the site is a black-owned company, you know. So there there are things like that that are in order, um, you know, to find out. But I would just say networking. Um, We're kind of new to the world of business as black people. So a lot of the times you have to be patient with some black-owned businesses because we're learning, Okay, we're coming out of a period of time where we couldn't even have a bank account and now we're having businesses and it honestly will take time for us to get it right. It's all about your mentality. Okay, when you go into a black owned business, your mentality is I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be grateful. If I do have an issue, I'm going to allow the the business to resolve the problem. You know, black people respond well to positivity. Um, black people do not respond well to criticism and um, ill will and ill feelings. Um, so my best advice would be to stay positive about it um, and word of mouth. Uh, the last question is, let's see, what question should I pick? Let me see. I'm trying to pick a good one. Um, Righteous and Ratchet asks, I would love to hear people's opinion as to why it's difficult for black people to have successful, healthy relationships. Um, and I mean, that's really a simple answer. Um is that, you know, as black people, we have a lot of demons that we're fighting, okay? I mean, how many black people, I'll put it to you this way, in your own world, in your own circle, how many black people do you know personally that were raised with their mother and father that were culturally educated and aware about, where they came from and who they are. Um, How many black people do you know that if they did have their mother and father in their lives had loving, healthy relationships with both of them? Okay, and I don't know about y'all, but uh, I probably know maybe three, okay? The rest of the black people I know either had no parents, effed up parents, or one parent, okay, because we've been carrying generations and generations of extreme emotional trauma, and we're all too busy lying and saying that we're living our best lives, and that we're just fine to to really accept that, hey, we're really screwed up here, and we're going to fuck down, like, it's so hard for us to admit that, so we don't want to admit that we're all messed up, 
You know, we're too busy, like, I guess, masking it or ignoring it. And so that's why our relationships are hard. Okay, it's generational emotional trauma. That is a real thing. Okay, and and we can't keep letting other races guilt us into feeling like that's not a real problem. It is a real problem. Okay, other races do not want to have to be held accountable for um, the system that still benefits them and tries to kill us. And so we don't talk about it. We are black people are so afraid to not. Now, something else I wanted to talk about um, because of the time of year that we're in is Kwanzaa. Um, There are a lot of misconceptions about Kwanzaa uh, that I want to clear up uh, because some people will say Kwanzaa is not African or they'll say um, they'll say, oh, Kwanzaa was invented by a pedophile and a CIA agent. Um, they'll say Kwanzaa is still celebrated around the same time that Christmas is. So it's still a bad thing. (laughs) So I just wanted to clear up a few things because, you know, misconceptions like we just talked about earlier, you know, they can become truth if enough people repeat them. So I just want to start by saying nobody can be an inventor of Kwanzaa. And you may ask why that is. The reason why that is, is because Kwanzaa is based on a principle system. It's a system of principles that have been around for literally thousands of years. (laughs) Okay. Um, So it's not something that anybody in any of our lifetimes could have invented. Um, You may give credit to someone that maybe organized the um, holiday, uh, but it's not about the person that maybe organized the holiday. It's about, it's the principles that we're celebrating. The person that organized pre-existing principles ain't got nothing to do with that. Okay, these are principles that have been around for generation after generation and they're all positive and constructing and constructive to us as black people. So the number one lie I want everyone to understand is that there was not a pedophile that created Kwanzaa because nobody created Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa is a celebration of pre-existing ancient African principles. Okay, so if we're celebrating the principles, how is that in any way, shape or form giving credit for somebody a few years ago that like like they invented these principles or something like there's no correlation. Um, The seven principles of Kwanzaa um, are Umoja, which means unity. Kuji Chagalia, which means self-determination. Ujima, which means collective work and responsibility. Ujima, which means cooperative economics. Nia, which means purpose. Kumba, which means creativity. And Imani, which means faith. And each of the seven days represents one of the principles. And it's great to reflect with your family Uh, what those principles mean to you and practice rituals or traditions in accordance um, with those principles. 
Um, so, for example, Umoja, Unity, we normally have a big get-together. And, you know, we all get together, we unify, uh, we talk about the things that unify us, the things that we have in common, you know, wanting the best for our people, wanting to encourage black love, wanting to encourage two-parent households for our children. Um, Kuji Chagalia, self-determination. I think a great example to celebrate that day is like a vision board. You know, talk about the things you are determined to get your goals. So y'all see, you know, how that kind of goes and, and how that works. Um, the next next thing I want to clear up is that, and I, I want to say this jumping up and down, Kwanzaa is not an African holiday. I don't know who told y'all that Kwanzaa is an African holiday, but it is not... It is a seven-day celebration of African principle, okay? And it's mainly directed towards Africans that are not in Africa so that they can become more educated and in tune with their foundations and principles as African people. I hate when people say, well, I asked somebody from Africa if they knew what Kwanzaa was and they said they ain't know what it was and it's not African. Of course they said that because it's not African. <laughs> okay, it's not an African holiday. Like there is a huge difference between it being an African holiday and it being built on an ancient African principle system. Okay. Um. Uh, there's no rules to Kwanzaa. Gift giving is not necessarily uh, required. Um, I encourage it. I think it's still good to, you know, save money because sometimes you can go years and years without giving a gift and don't even realize it. So I think it's good to say, okay, this time of year, I'm going to, you know, exchange gifts with my family. You know, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, your Your best bet is to have that be a time where you can really... Uh, encourage the selling uh the buying of handmade black owned products i think that that's a great way to celebrate kwanzaa shop for you know black vendors on etsy you know what i'm saying uh shop with black people that are making handcrafted gifts i think that's a beautiful way to celebrate um you know, Kwanzaa is over now. It ended yesterday. Uh, on the last day of Kwanzaa, we uh, we went to the beach and um, we did some meditation. We recited some affirmations. We let go of anything negative. We focused on, you know, what we're going to do for this year, what we're going to do for the future. It was beautiful. Uh, I enjoyed uh, my Kwanzaa with my family. Uh, and I wanted to do this segment just to clear the air because, you know, the fact that black people are like celebrating their principal systems and encouraging black economics and black love and families through this holiday. The fact that that's happening and people are still somehow finding a way to say something negative about it confuses me. <laughs> Like I be, I be like genuinely confused. Like, how are people finding a problem with that? Like, how? And it's black people, mainly black people, finding a problem with it. And I'm just like, bruh, can we not? Like, I, I don't ever want to be that kind of woke where it's like you can't ever have any fun ever or laugh at anything or have any kind of fun in, in any way, shape, or form. Like, that's why I don't like titles of like conscious and woke because. 
if that's what it means, I want no part of it. Like, I don't understand how do you find an issue with Kwanzaa. Like, there's all kind of Kwanzaa Grinches around here. Stop finding issues in black people doing positive things. Please. Please. <laughs> um, so anyway... Yeah, so we're taking off the new year. I just wanted to have that discussion because it just I just saw so many people like totally misled about the holidays. So I wanted to clear that up. Um we've went pretty far over time this week. Um so I will save the rest of the topics that I wanted to discuss for next week. Um next week episode will drop on on uh on Tuesday. Um so I do want to thank you all for listening uh, and tuning in to this episode of African and American. And as always, peace, love and black power.